Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Again, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts, and sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. This morning it's going to be a little slow because we want to talk about doctrine. We need to get into doctrine. So let's uh, move right along. I'm not going to read over all the verses because, again, we have a lot of scripture to cover. So Acts chapter 19, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. Well, let's go back to verse 11, which we covered last week. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out from them. Okay, now a new thought. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you... By the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? (laughs) Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Father, we thank you for the morning. What a blessing, Lord, to see a a couple uh, come and publicly confess Jesus as their Savior. Uh, What a blessing, Lord, to have a a missionary come and share about his family and all that they have been through and, and how these things impact their lives. And we are so comfortable here in our homes. We are so spoiled. And Father, we thank you that we can support missionaries. And we ask your continued blessings upon them. Uh, Many of them that we are supporting are in predominant Muslim countries with the threat of persecution. So Father, we ask your blessing upon them. And for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are being currently persecuted, especially in India, where they are being killed, their churches are being burned, and their houses are being burned for the name of Jesus. Father, strengthen them. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching uh, that you'll be glorified this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 19, and again, if you haven't turned your phone off, turn your phone off, turn it to vibrate, throw it against the wall, do something. Get focused on the Word of God this morning. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. So, you know, the theme for the study could be God's ways or world's ways. Whose will am I submitting to? Whose will? God's ways or the world's ways? You see, it was a very common practice in that day to use exorcism or the casting out of demons on a person through potions, spells, or enchantments people would actually pay a very good amount of money to have it done, whether it was successful or not. And so these men who thought that they had the ability to cast out demons took it upon themselves to use the name of Jesus as part of their mystical bag of healing. You see, when a person deals with our spiritual enemy, here's the doctrine that we want to look at this morning. 
When a person deals with our spiritual enemy without the gift of the Holy Spirit being active in their lives, it will always end up being a big mistake. And here we see the end result of their endeavor with the enemy. They fled away naked and beat up. Now, we don't know if it was all seven, if it was two of them. We know it's at least two of them. We don't know the number. That's irrelevant. They were beat up. They fled away naked. And I think we could still see this happening in the world today. In the lives of those who try to deliver themselves from the snare of the enemy, Christian or not. You see, they try to remove themselves from drugs. And I want to say this right away. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. It's impossible. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, light and darkness. It's not a matter of God versus Satan. Who's going to win? God is God. So a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Can be demon-oppressed, though. It's very important to realize that. If we give ourselves to drugs or alcohol, pornography, cheating, stealing, gambling, whatever it is, we can become oppressed but not possessed. So when a person tries to remove themselves from drugs, drinking, overeating, anger, depression, sexual addictions, or addictions of various sorts, people try to remove themselves from these various things in their own strength. What do people do on December 31st? New Year's resolution. I'm going to, I'm going to, right? What's the middle letter of pride? What's the middle letter of sin? And usually by January 7th, it's done. Our spiritual enemy beats them up, sending them away defeated, feeling hopeless and helpless. It is only through a personal relationship with Jesus. And this is key. And I know most of you here this morning are Bible-believing Christians. So you're kind of like, this is Christian 101. This is baby food. Well, hang in there. Hang in there because you're going to learn something this morning that is baby food. But unfortunately, most, most adult Christians are not doing it. So I understand what some of you might be thinking. But in dealing with people on a regular basis, going over these basic principles, uh, they're not doing them. So we need repetition. We need to go over the basics at time. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit, that a person has any hope of being delivered from the enemy's grip. That is key. That is a doctrine. Everyone in this world, whether they believe in God or not, is in a spiritual battle with their enemy of their souls. And upon salvation, the Holy Spirit comes within the believer, that new believer, and now the enemy no longer has control over their eternal state. Now. So now the enemy focuses his cause or desire. This is important for you as well as for me. To neutralize their Christian testimony. There are people leaving the faith. What is that? What's happened? And that didn't happen in you know, a day, a week, a month. That's, that's taken a season of time. And the enemy has chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. He's neutralized their Christian testimony where all of a sudden one day they come out to the whole world, well, I've left the faith. I'm no longer a Christian. Really? You've, you've left the faith and you're no longer a Christian. And these are very, very high-profile individuals, guys, book authors and, and musicians. Yes, I'm no longer of the faith. 
How does that happen? You guys all know the example of the frog in the pot of water. You don't put a frog in a boiling pot of water, the frog will jump out. But if you put a frog in a pot with a little bit of water and you slowly turn up the heat, the frog will stay in the pot, stay in the pot, stay in the pot, and the frog will boil to death. That's what happens to our Christianity. We take a little bit of the world in, a little bit of the world in. We take a little more of the world in. Oh, it's not burning me. It's not burning me. I'm not getting hurt yet. A little bit of the world, a little bit of the world, a little bit of the world. Ah, I don't need Christianity. And all of a sudden, we're all in with the world. We have to be very, very careful. What is the number one tactic of Satan and his demonic forces? Don't yell out the answer because you're probably going to be wrong. Most people say to steal, kill, and destroy. No. Here is his number one tactic. Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who, what? What's the word? Say it loud, can't hear you. That's what the, that is his number one tool. I don't need the Bible. I don't need prayer. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to a men's Bible study. I don't need to go to a women's study. I don't need to go to a Wednesday night Bible study. I don't need a retreat. Sunday morning's enough for me. I'm fine. Are you sure you're fine? Or are you believing a lie from the pit of hell? In these days we're living in, we can't rely on the government to save us. I mean, that's great that the Supreme Court sided with that situation. But what if they hadn't? Does that mean we close our doors? No, we're not closing our doors. We're not closing our doors. The gospel, the word of God needs to go forth. So don't be deceived. He goes out to deceive the whole world, which includes Christianity. It's not like you're in some little bubble or I'm in some little bubble and I can never be deceived. I can be deceived. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. What did Jesus say in John eight forty four to the Pharisees, to those religious elites who had been deceived thinking that by doing all of their religious practices that they were going to heaven. Even though they wanted to kill Jesus, we're going to heaven. We know God. You are of your father the devil, Jesus says to them. You know who you are? You're of your father the devil. Oh, that's a nice compliment. I didn't know Jesus talked like that. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. How much is three-fourths of the truth? It's a whole lie. How much is a half of the truth? It's a whole lie. How much is a quarter of the truth? How much is one-thirty-second of the truth? You see, the enemy is going to give us just a little taste of the truth that we'll bite it and go, oh, yeah. I, I can live and have sex outside of marriage, and, and I'm a Christian. I love her, and she loves me. It's okay. No, it's not. Because why does he do that? Because he, there is no truth in him. This is Jesus speaking, not me, guys. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. This is who we're wrestling against. Let's look at Ephesians 6. Now, we've got to go quickly, and I'm going to read them quickly, because we've got a lot of scriptures. This is very important doctrine. So what do we need to do to win this battle? 
Again, this is Christian 101, but unfortunately, I find very few Christians doing this. And even myself, at times, I find myself trying to wrestle against the enemy in the flesh, and I will never win. I will never win. And you will never win either. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in Jim and in the power of Claudia's might. Doesn't your Bible say that? Feel free to insert your name. And if you're married, insert your mate's name in there. And see, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? About how often do we do that? It's my way or the highway. No, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the tactics of the devil. Why are Christians leaving the faith? If they're truly Christians, they're not wearing the armor of God. They're not wearing the armor of God. They've laid their armor aside. They've gotten in the world and they've allowed the world to get into them. It is this basic, guys. This is not complex. For we do not, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, if you're having marital issues right now, if you're having relationship issues with someone right now, if you're single and you're having relationship issues, read this verse, memorize this verse, meditate on this verse this week. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Who are you and I wrestling against? Satan. Demonic forces. Rankings of angels. Yet we, don't, we just kind of blow it off. What does he go on to say? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When is that evil day? When the enemy comes and plants a thought in your mind, a temptation in your mind about anger or bitterness or lust or fornication or adultery or what, stealing or whatever it might be for you at that given moment. That's evil. Are you, am I, are we able to stand? If we're not, we gotta go back to the problem. It's not God it's I laid aside my armor momentarily and I need to put my armor back on. Ask for forgiveness and get back in the battle. Because he goes on to say, and having done all, to stand. And so what's Paul's exhortation here in Ephesians? Stand therefore. Are we seeing this in the church today? Church universal? No, unfortunately. They're running. They're running. They're afraid of social media. No, we're called to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with What? Feel free. With what? Truth. With truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having, put, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith. Now right now your mind might be going back to Sunday school and those cute little pictures of the little kid with all the armor on you and you're chuckling inside going, yeah, right, yeah, okay. You better do this study because this is reality. This is reality for you and I. If we're not doing these things, we are going to fail, we're going to fall. We'll ruin our testimony. Which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So it's not your 357 or your 9 millimeter. The word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Notice that, Holy Spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
So what are we to be doing as we've been doing recently? Praying for the churches in California. And praise God that the, pray, the prayers have been answered in a positive note. Praise God. That's what our call is to do. And for me. Pray for me. Pray for our missionaries. For what? That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, who was a, had a prison ministry several times, beaten, shipwrecked, stoned to death, he doesn't pray that he might retire on a nice island and have the best of food and lodging. He says, no, you know what to pray for me for while I'm in prison? Pray that I'd have boldness. Pray that I might shout as high as my voice can go that Jesus is God. He doesn't back down. What's he say? For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is very, very important. See, Paul was in prison chained to a guard. Now that guard had to go to the bathroom. That guard had to eat. And they would rotate the guards. So instead of Paul whining and complaining about being in prison, a new guard would come in, get chained to Paul, and Paul would say, hi, how are you today? Clank, clank, clank. Do you know Jesus? He ain't going anywhere for 8, 10, 12 hours. Let me tell you about Jesus. And you know, we kind of look at that as like, no, that didn't happen. As you read the Bible, Paul mentions someone who was in Herod's household. Say hello, and I forget the name right off the top of my head, but say hello to such and such who is of, of Caesar's household. See, the word of God went all the way to the top. Matter of fact, Paul is going to stand before Caesar and proclaim the gospel. This little short guy, Jewish guy, nothing really to look at. He got to share the gospel all the way to the top. Might this happen to you or to me? Oh, no, it never happened. No, it could happen if we allow it. How about 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you're here this morning and you are struggling with an issue in your life, depression, anxiety, it's real. Suicidal thoughts, that's real. How do you get over that? By getting into the word of God. By coming together with other Bible-believing Christians. Acknowledging, hey, I'm having these thoughts. We will not beat you up. We will not look down upon you. We will not mock or ridicule you. But we will come alongside you and say, no, no. God loves you and wants to use you. Let us help pray for you. And here are some scriptures, Psalm 139, Psalm 103, and we'll surround you with scriptures. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You're no good. Why don't you just take your life? Nobody loves you. Nobody needs you. Nobody wants you around here. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just go away? You see, the enemy's whispering into your mind that argument that you have no value. But what's the truth? You have tremendous value in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Christianity. 
And so you have to take that thought captive and cast it down and say, no, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Bringing every thought, notice here verse 5, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jim. Ah, there it is again. Feel free to slip your name in there because that's what we think it's about. Well, if I just yell loud enough, then Satan's going to submit to me. He's going to submit to me? No, he's not going to submit to me. The enemy will never submit to me. He submits to the name of Jesus. He submits to Jesus. Jesus has all authority. Do I have all authority? No. I have authority that God gives to me to use in Jesus' name. But unfortunately, you watch Christian fiction on TV and you get this idea that, you, you know, that I have all authority. It's, it's all about me. No, it is not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit working through you. So in this spiritual battle, do we have a physical responsibility to partake of? This is a very important question. I encourage you to write that down. Take a picture of it. Because unfortunately, in Christianity, we are becoming more and more lazy in our Christian faith. This is reality. Whether you like to hear that or not, it's reality. Let's get Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. Notice that in Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh. Do you notice the responsibility there, the human responsibility but according to the Spirit. So if I do walk in the flesh and I fulfill the desires of my flesh, I'm not going to have condemnation from God. I'm going to have conviction via the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to give a lot of ammunition to the enemy to use against me, and he's going to condemn the daylights out of me. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... Again, you got to get this mind in you as you're reading this. Think of the religious person, Saul, who was trying to beat his flesh into submission, who knew the first five books of the Bible word perfect, who was trying to fulfill all the commands. I am a righteous Pharisee, one of the highest ranks in all Judaism. I am one of the elite of Judaism. Got knocked off his horse, we believe, or got knocked to the ground, whatever the case. And he came to realize that he was nothing. But he was trying to fulfill it through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 4. That the righteousness, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Notice this part of the verse right here. This is human responsibility. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So for you and I as believers... As we're battling these issues, we have to take responsibility, whatever that looks like. Whatever addiction it might be, we have to take personal responsibility. And this is what Christianity and and America doesn't want to do. It's somebody else's fault. It's the Republicans' faults. It's the Democrats' faults. It's the rich people's faults. It's the capitalists' faults. It's their fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my siblings' fault. It's my parents' fault. It's somebody's fault. It's not my fault. Just give me a check and let me live in the basement. I'm great. (laughs) For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, notice that capital S. And again, I know this is Christian 101. 
But I don't want you guys coming into my office this week or next week or a month from now going, I just don't know what's wrong. I got a problem with alcohol and I keep buying beer at the store. Okay, let's go back to a study I did two weeks ago. You're walking in the flesh and you're feeding your flesh. No wonder you have a problem with alcohol. What do you think you shouldn't do? Probably not go down the beer aisle. I think would be a good suggestion, right? Maybe get a gallon of milk and chug that. Oh, geez, I never thought of that. But those who live according to the Spirit, capital S, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, even for the Christian, for you and I. If we get focused on the things of this flesh, if we get focused on the riots and how I'd like to just take some of them and line them up against the wall and all of a sudden we start getting going in our mind and then the anger starts to bubble over and somebody brings up some, uh, a conversation, all of a sudden we find ourselves blowing up. Okay, what was I doing? I, I fed the flesh. I fed the flesh. I fed the flesh. And all of a sudden I blew up and had a fit of rage. And now I have to apologize to the non-Christian for my Christian example of wanting to go out and blow somebody away. Oh, that's what Christianity is all about? Huh. I guess I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to blow anybody away. I just don't think what they're doing is right. <sighs> you know, that's what I should have said. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, no, I really don't want to blow them away. But guys, if we're feeding the flesh, that's what's going to come out. You see the personal responsibility? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I encourage you to read the rest of Romans 8. For the sake of time, we have to keep moving here. Ephesians 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Does that verse talk to any of you? you don't raise your hand, you're not awake this morning. Feel free, because it applies to every single person in this room. No, you are not born a Christian. You are born a stinking little rebellious sinner. Notice, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. I'm so glad that I am not in prison, because I used to drive under the influence, and I could have easily killed someone when I was 16 and 17 years old, when I would get home and get in bed and I'd wonder, how did I get here? I did not know how I got home. I could have easily had a prison ministry for the rest of my life. I could have easily killed somebody. It was just by the grace of God I didn't. Among whom you also were once conducted yourselves in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, just as others. And we want to go over these verses to remind us as we see these people doing these things that we're no better. We were no better before we were saved. We were doing things, maybe not outwardly, but in our mind. Remember what Jesus said? If you have hatred in your heart towards a, another human being, you're, you've committed murder. If you have sexual desire towards someone other than your mate, married or unmarried, You've committed adultery. You've committed fornication. What was Jesus saying? It's about the heart. It's about the soul. It's about the mind. It's not about the letter of the law. The letter of the law just shows us we can't fulfill the law. I've got a wicked heart. I've got to start thinking like that. How about 2 Timothy 2? 2 Timothy 2. And again, this is our responsibility as being a part of the spiritual battle. 2 Timothy 2.22 
flee also youthful lust, but pursue. Do you guys see any action there? That's action. Some of you people might be thinking, oh, the Bible isn't relevant. It's not relevant because you're not making it relevant. It's very relevant. What is that telling me as a Bible-believing Christian in 2020? Flee also youthful lust. Those things that I used to desire. And when you hear of lust, most of the time we correlate with, with sex. Lust is defined as uh, just sin. Anything that, that, that gives me a desire. Gambling, uh, pornography, lying, cheating, stealing. I, I desire to do that. I just have a lust for that to fulfill my flesh. Notice, flee it. But do what instead? Pursue righteousness. Well, how do I pursue righteousness? Praise God, you're here this morning. You're pursuing righteousness, being right with God, learning about God, growing in God. But we have things throughout the week. You might have something going on at your own house that you used to do and somebody burned you years ago and so you don't do it anymore. You don't open your house for a Bible study or for a home fellowship. And you don't go to a home fellowship or a Bible study because you got burned. No, that's deception. Get plugged in. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes about mask. Hello? How many hours did you spend this week arguing about mask? Just saying. I don't spend time wasting it. Just do it. Okay, whatever. Knowing that they generate strife. Wow, the Bible's irrelevant. How many times have you walked away loving somebody after a mask debate? Oh, I just, I just love that person. I'd love to smack him upside the head is what I'd like to do. That's what you're thinking. Don't, yeah, don't play innocent with me. 24, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Is this so relevant or what? But be gentle to all. Oh, you want me to wear a mask? Great, I'll wear a mask. Big deal. I go into a store, I wear the mask, I come out of the mask store, I take it off. Is that worth arguing about? Not to me. And I have scripture printed on my mask. Let them read the scriptures. Okay, you want to wear my mask? You want to see my mask? Right here, John 3, 16. God knows you. Do you know God? So get a little bit creative with your mask. Do something in Sharpie on it. That's going to get there. To, what's, what did they do to their mask? God loves you. Oh, wow. Nah. But be gentle to all, able to teach patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having taken captive by him to do his will. Notice that. What happens to Christians? What can happen to me? What can happen to you? Subtle, subtle, subtle. And all of a sudden, the will of God is to stay focused, but Satan's will is to get me off to the right or to the left. And all of a sudden, I find myself way out to the right, and I've been taken captive by his will, not my father's will. And I got to get realigned. I got to repent. Ask for forgiveness. Say I'm sorry. How about Hebrews 13? Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead notice that so many of the arguments that we're arguing today do not bring peace to the 
conversation, but rather division and anger. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, and I am one of the sheep. So Jesus is my shepherd and I submit to the shepherd as well as you. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Now again, what do you see there? Working in you. God will not override my will. So if I don't want to read my Bible, he's not going to grab me, throw me in the lazy boy, grab my Bible, open it up, push my face in and say, read now. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. So if you don't take time to read your Bible, don't blame God. Don't blame the church. Don't blame anybody. You have to look at yourself and say, why am I a lazy Christian? Why do I not want to know about the God who I'm going to spend eternity with? Why do I not want to know how to fight in these evil days that we're in? Guys, don't chalk up that wind in California as, oh, it's over. It's over. Persecution of Christianity is over. <laughs> Wake up. It's just begun. Make you complete in every good work, working in you. So God will work in me as I get on the wheel, the potter's wheel, and allow him to fashion me and shape me. What is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then this final verse, Philippians 1, 6. I have 1, 1, but it's actually 1, 6. We'll get that corrected for the next study. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this very thing. Do you really have confidence in this Bible? Because if you do, you will be in it every single day. You will be in it every single day. If you're just playing church, if you're just going through the motions, then you're in it on Sunday morning when we're having a Bible study. Check that off my list. I got that done. What's for lunch? Hmm. Guys, this isn't a game. This isn't a game. The church, music team can come up. I was with uh, six pastors uh, this yesterday, Friday, and yesterday we had a men's retreat. And um, we all had basically the same story. And this is coming out nationally. Studies are already being done. Um, polls are already being taken. Most churches, there's, there's many churches that are still closed. Some churches have already said they're not opening until January of 21. Like, what in the world? Well, church isn't that important. We're still ministering to our community. Well, I guess you just slapped the Holy Spirit across the face because the Holy Spirit was inspired to tell us, do not forsake the assembling of some together. Do not forsake the assembling, as the manner of some is. Never forsake the assembling. You, you're here, so I'm not rebuking you. I'm, I'm, I'm thanking you and I'm encouraging you. But for those who are listening over the internet or listening to the CD, every Christian has a gift, a spiritual gift. And if you read your Bible, it says that spiritual gift is to be used for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ. So all these Christians that are now not going to come back, this is already being stated. There's Christians that have already said, I'm not going back. 
I'm not going back. They are robbing the church, not of money. They don't even go there. That's ridiculous. They're robbing the church of their spiritual gifts. And they are being robbed by not allowing us to minister to them. You all ministering to one another. Read your Bible. That's what ministry is about. This is one portion. My teaching you is one portion of ministry. There's ministry going on all over this campus and there's going to be ministry going on for this whole week if you want to participate in it, paid in it. Not just ministry at this church. Ministry in your life, in stores, at, at, at wherever you might be where people are hopeless and helpless and they need some kind of hope, guys. This is reality. Are we available or are we hunkered down all week because we're afraid? No. Don't be afraid. Be wise. Wash your hands. Be wise. I'm not, don't go anywhere with that. But don't live in fear. We're ambassadors for Christ, guys. And we got only so many days until Jesus comes back for his bride, the church. Jesus is coming back. And it could be this fall. I believe it's going to be in the fall. Not a prophet, not putting out a date. But Jesus fulfilled the spring feast. God's a God of consistency. He's most likely going to fulfill the fall feast. And the first fall feast is coming up here in just a few weeks, the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. Do a study on that. The Feast of Shofar, blowing of the Shofar. Do a little study on that. It's going to be for 40 days. Every, for, the, for 40 days until Rosh Hashanah, every morning, the Shofar is going to be blown. Who knows? That might be one of these days where God's trumpet is going, Jesus, hit it. Thanks, Dad. I'm out of here. See you soon could be any day, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you. And we don't want to leave people behind. We want to take somebody with us. And Father, we don't want to be complacent. We don't want to be lazy. Our flesh does. My flesh does at times. Just wants to be lazy and do nothing at all. That's, that's natural. So let's not take this to an extreme. We need rest. We need physical rest. We need mental rest. We need emotional rest. But Father, help us if we've taken it to the other extreme and we're not, we're, we're over-rested and we're basically on our last breath dying. Kick us in the pants that we might spiritually wake up and get involved in these last days. That we would not rely upon the Constitution. We're relying upon the Constitution instead of just relying upon the Bible. No. And I know the brothers in, in California are not relying upon the Constitution. They, they've gone back to the Word of God and said, we will meet because the Bible says we are called to meet. They take it back to the Word of God. And the Constitution just happens to be a benefit. Father, let us never place anything above your Word. Our mates, our children, our grandchildren, our job, the Constitution, our, our weapons. Help us, Lord, never to place anything above your word. But that we'd be in your word, studying your word, and seeing the days we're living in and what we need to be doing as Bible-believing Christians so that we're not like these other Christians who have left the faith. They've departed. Father, we don't want to depart. We want to be a part of that faithful remnant. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We can't make a commitment to you with our flesh and blood. We can only make a commitment to ask for more of your Holy Spirit. 
And fathers, we surrender our lives and ask for more of your Holy Spirit. Your word promises that you will, guaranteed, give us more of your Holy Spirit. You will always answer that prayer. So help us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might via the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If you have not received Jesus as your Savior, please come up. We would love to pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek dot org.